Hey guys, coming up, we have the man, the legend, Tommy Chong is coming right up. We're going to talk about his new cannabis products, some of his uh, classic comedy stuff, projects that didn't happen, philosophy, being cellmates with the Wolf of Wall Street, Jordan Belfort in prison, so much more. And real quick, if you could, please make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel or wherever you're listening or watching this podcast. Uh, and this interview is a lot of fun and it might go a little bit off the rails towards the end. But remember, if you ever want to skip ahead, I have the episode chapters in the show notes. And finally, I have to point out that while weed and CBD products are legal here in Arizona, they may not be in your area. So make sure to check with your local laws and always consult with a doctor before trying any new drugs or medical products. Okay, I'll shut up now. Tommy Chong coming right up. Wow, I've done like 250 of these. That is the funniest picture, profile picture anyone's ever had. I love it. Oh, good, good. It's, uh, it, um, hey, that's my, there he is. Hey, that's my uh, uh, daily uh, use at one time. At one at time. time, okay. Yeah, so no, not anymore, though. Not anymore. Have you slowed things down a little bit? Well, never. Uh, actually, no, actually, I've sped them up. Uh, they, 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 well, they slowed to a stop when I was in jail. So. Right, right. So now I'm, I'm, I'm kind of because I do a lot of cameos, so I, uh, I get a lot of requests, and I can't turn down a request to get high. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's not in my DNA. Really? Okay, that's good yeah. to know. Well, so tell yeah. us about the, uh, the new products that you have. I think because um, you have the, you already have the, the Tommy Chong stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And now you have the Cheech and Chong. That's a newer yeah. stuff, right? Yeah, well, it's a uh, hybrid, uh, the Cheech and Chong. You know, we, we got the best of Cheech, the best of Chong, and we put them into uh, a package, and uh, and it's everything. You know, we, we got uh, different strains, and you know, we got a Labrador strain we got <laughs> after our one of our movies. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, it's... <clears throat> You know what we did? We just hooked up with the, the best of the best, you know, the best growers, the best uh, uh, stores, you know, the best. Uh, like we're in uh, Arizona now was a, a, a group called Nature's Medicine. Yeah, and, that's where I had. To, I went to three stores to find your stuff, and that's where I had to go. I'm in Arizona, actually. So I love the, that store, uh, Nature's uh, uh, Medicine. Isn't that yes. a great name? That's great. I'm glad I told him I'd give him a shout out for you. So, oh, good. Yeah, no, they were the best, and and uh, we hung with them for a bunch of days. You know, it was fun. So, so my intake has really increased somewhat dramatically. You know, <laughs> do you do, do you do the joints? Do you do a bong? Do you do CBD edibles? All of the above? What do you? No, no, I'm a, a joint guy. I, I like, uh, and I make these little uh, joint holders. Oh. And, and and you smoke out of too, you know. Oh. They're little. They're NFTs. <laughs> this one's about a billion dollars worth, so uh, worth a billion dollars. Or that, that, yeah. That, no, that's so. I heard you talking about that. It's like you're gonna have these million a million dollar bong, because that oh, because bi- some, billion dollar billion dollar. Oh, billion dollar. Yeah, yeah. yeah because yeah. some rich guy will buy it. Oh well, totally, totally. Uh, and I'm hanging out with a uh, a lot of the rich guys, you know, and. Uh, 
there's a lot of things they won't buy, but <laughs> but if it's a collectible and if it increases in price, see that's it's not a, a buy, then it's an investment because right. there it's a piece of art. And that's what that's and it's funny because I, I went to jail for selling art, <laughs> really. Glass for selling of, glass. Yeah, that, but it's art glass because people that I know of that have a, a, a Tommy Chong bong, you know, from the day they don't smoke at it. It's a pit in a display, protected, and uh, they smoke out of uh, bamboo pipes. You know, <laughs> no, that's smart. So yeah, tell me about when you were in jail because your your uh, cellmate was Jordan Belfort, who of course is the Wolf of Wall Street. I and mean, that's, I can't picture a more odd couple. You got this free loving hippie pot smoking and the, this like, wo- literally wolf of Wall Street. I mean, it's crazy. He was a wolf. Well, he wasn't the wolf until he met me. Uh, we, uh, no, he's a cool guy. He's a very cool guy. Yeah. Very athletic. He, he's a very athletic guy. And, and, and was, he, he's got the personality of a six foot four <laughs> guy. He should be a six foot four, like a, uh, quarterback that's his personality uh and uh no when i met him you know he's uh he, he's so intelligent i i've never met yeah i've met a few geniuses and he is he's a genius and he's one of those geniuses that that can't get out of their own way you know <laughs> they, they haven't figured out well he likes excitement i guess oh. you know of, of uh of doing what he's doing because he could and, you know, Bill Gates, any of those guys, no, no problem. You know, he's got that. He's got those smarts, but he's a good salesman and, uh, and a, a great guy. Uh, we had, we had a lot of fun, uh, incarcerated together. You know, I had other friends that, that really, uh, weren't that thrilled with, with Jordan. You know? and oh, so, really? so, yeah, yeah. So Jordan, Why? because of, well, the nature of, of who, what he did, you know, yeah. and, and who he's with, you know. And what's your uh, theory on that? Why did he, is it just for the excitement because it was like dangerous and illegal? and Because he screwed people yeah. over, though. He screwed people out of yeah. money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he wanted to be screwed over, you know. He, he, he's like a head of a church. <laughs> <laughs> like the people that say, come give me all the money and you'll go to heaven. And, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's what most churches uh, do, you know, and and their constituents, they're there because they want to hear that, you know, they want, they want the easiest way. Uh, and, and and Jordan and those guys, you know, they take advantage of, of people's uh, weaknesses, you know, mm. because yeah, that's what it is. It's like a gambling addiction, you know. I You know, I've got a little taste of it. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I've been sort of like self-analyzing how I feel, especially when I was in jail, you know, because I wanted to record and remember all the emotions because that's what we're here. I found out, you know, we're here on earth to learn and to learn from our mistakes, you see. And, uh, and, and, and that, what I did was a mistake on the government's part, but definitely a, a mistake on my part in if I didn't want to get caught, you know what I'm saying? Because I wasn't doing anything illegal uh, not per se, but there was a law in the books that said, you know, it's illegal to sell paraphernalia, drug paraphernalia. 
no, that I don't think that law, even if it exists, they probably don't, uh, you know, they ignore it's another law, jaywalking law that gets ignored for the most part. Wasn't it kind of like an entrapment thing? Because I watched the movie. Oh, yeah. Explain it how it's illegal for them to for you guys to sell the paraphernalia to Pennsylvania and another state. And they called from Pennsylvania and said, can you deliver it to Pennsylvania? And um, I think it was it your son or somebody that worked at the family business said, no, we can't. We can't. And they said, well, just uh, buy, you know, get it and we'll come pick it up. And it was sitting there for eight months. Yeah. And finally, they just yeah. kept pushing. You're like, they're finally like, we look, we got to get rid of this. It's taking up space in our warehouse. And so then you finally ship it and then they bust you. And it's like, it's, yeah. how is that on entrapment? I don't get it. Well, it is. And, and had I wanted to, uh, to beat the case, I would have probably won on appeal uh, because it was entrapment. But we had made a deal with the government that if I, uh, if I didn't plead guilty, they would go after my son and my wife, my wife and my son, who was really in, in more jeopardy than I was because my, my wife got my son into the bong business. And she actually signed the check that started the company. And so, and it was my son that actually got the business going. And, and, and the feds knew this because they had wiretapped us. And, and, and you know, the feds did a little side note. They, they sent a guy in to see how much, how many billions of dollars we were making with the bond company. Because it was Bush's uh, uh, trip at that time to say that billions of dollars were being made in in the illegal drug trade and being funneled to the to the Taliban, you know that was that wow. was the, that was the lies you see. Okay, and that was that was the reason that that they went in and, and you know the politicians that they they thought they were doing something noble, you know, and so when. I when they so when they finally got around, it was almost like a, a comedy of errors arresting me, you know, because I wasn't <laughs> hiding. I, I wasn't, you know, I was living my life. I'm in the same house now that I was when they busted me. And when the SWAT team came to my door, I thought they look like Halloween trick or treaters. Because they're milling around with their outfit, you know, their cute outfits, and they're all dressed, you know, perfectly, you know. <laughs> but, uh, oh, that was funny. But I paid, you know, I kind of paid. I knew, I, I knew what I was doing. You know, I, I knew that this is my chance. I can either show everybody what a sniveling coward I was and start begging for mercy, or I could say, okay, let's go to jail. You know, hmm. let's see how that let's see how that turns out. And yeah, and it, tur- it turned out well. Turned yeah, out it turned really out because now weed is legal in a lot of in our, <laughs> Arizona and California or tons of states, Washington, Colorado. And uh, it's probably going to be eventually legalized in every state, I would assume. Yeah, legalized. Yeah. The reason they don't is is uh, because we signed a lot of <laughs> drug treaties with countries around the world. Thanks to uh, Nancy Reagan's war on drugs. And uh, as a result, the United States pays all these countries not to grow weed. And as a result, they get the money and then they grow, they, they can pull out, they grow two crops. They grow one crop to eradicate, or at least they say to eradicate, and then another crop to, to use. And, and then they get the million or whatever it is from the government. And so there's a lot of, you know, that's like a welfare 
a check coming uh, every year for years, over 50 years. And, and, and that's what they have to change, you know, and, and, and stop. Or, or just change should be added. Yeah, give them the money, but give them another reason, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's silly. And the other, thing, the other problem is that uh, the banking system, you know, once we start, uh, once we're able to uh, bank our, our, our money in banks and use credit cards and that, then the business will really explode, you know, now. Because right now, it's we're at sort of at a disadvantage in some ways. Although... The, the nature's uh, medicine, they found their own banks. You know, they, they found oh. some banks of their own. So, and that's what the big guys are doing, you know, in the business, you know, so that's not a problem. So actually for the marijuana business itself, uh, I think, uh, you know, we, the trouble is with, with the, that we're finding out with legalization is that the, the greedy governments are trying to, cash in on what they consider like a, a sin tax, you know, like they do with uh, cigarettes and uh, booze. Yeah. And the trouble is we've proven in, by votes that it's a medicine and it should not be taxed at all. And that's why they changed the thing. Okay. Now you can sell it recreational and all they're doing is just say, Oh, now we can tax you more for, for, for the rest of the world, you know, other than the real sick people. And by the way, we don't, uh, it, it's either recreation or medicine. Uh, they don't recognize, the government doesn't recognize medic, uh, uh, for the most part, they don't recognize the medical aspect of weed yet, you know, money-wise. That's too and, bad, yeah, because I saw something you guys say that uh, that Cheech had like knee surgery and he put CBD oil, instead of using a, the opiates, which are super dangerous, he used just yeah. CBD oil. Yeah, well, ingested as well as uh, uh, used it. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, same as me. When I had my cancer operation, I was on uh, the the glory drugs for a day while I was in the hospital. Okay. And oh, I enjoyed every bit of it that day too. <laughs> <laughs> what they give you, like morphine or something? Or? I don't know. Well, oxy cotton or whatever oh, it is. I think that's scary, what though, isn't it? But it's the same thing. It's all. It's a synthetic uh, morphine. Yeah. That's all. That's all it's it is. Addictive as heroin. It's heroin. Yeah. It's scary shit. Yeah. And it's really addictive because you can get it over the counter. I was in jail with maybe five pharmacists that were in jail because they were selling Oxycontin to the public, you know, and got caught. Really? No, it, it, yeah. That illegal uh, uh, pharmaceuticals. Huge, 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 multi-zillion dollar business. What do you yeah. think the solution is there? Because we have that problem here. Um, I actually had a guy on my podcast that interviews kids on the street, and they're all addicted to this fentanyl. They, they call it the yeah. blues. They smoke these blues pills or something. And it's terrible yeah. stuff. How do you, what oh, do you think the solution? Well, you got to remember, we live in a very physical society. And, and, and uh, we only learn from our mistakes. And so uh, the people that are addicted to opioids, they're making a big mistake, but they're also learning a big lesson. And there's a lot of people, not a lot, but there are some people that have, you know, beat the addiction and, and been sober. And, and it takes a lot of work, a lot of uh, willpower and everything else. You can't escape it. You know, you know, ever watch Ninja Warriors? No. 
Oh, oh, you haven't seen the Ninja Warriors? No, is that where, is that like the uh, like on NBC or whatever where they have like the uh, kind of like a sport almost? Yeah, it is a sport. Yeah, it is a sport, and you got to climb up this, and if you miss one step, you fall in the water. Right. If you make a mistake, you you get knocked off, you fall in the water. Well, that's what life is all about, dude. <laughs> we're we're in a ninja sport right now called life and, and you look at the people that get addicted to uh fentanyl and that you know they come from all walks of life and uh, and for most the most part uh, a comfortable life you know because one thing that poverty will give you is the the the, the go to the where what really works you know and and what like the slaves and and the poor people uh, of the planet learned you know that if you go to god however uh that that knowledge will get you through you know and uh, on the other hand if you use god to make other people you know make other hurt other people and financially then you're 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 doing it wrong but yeah. for the most for the most part uh when you're too poor to afford the habits that can be a good thing and 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 so that's why the opioid addiction was like middle class in there you know and that's what it is today uh, it and, seems and, like and, with those fentanyls, though, they're so cheap. They're like five bucks or something. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, it's, it, they're terrible thing. And like, it just worries me. I agree that some people could make those mistakes, get sober, and then they learned a lesson. But some people are dying because like they do it one yeah. time and they don't know how much is in there. And it's like, yeah. I wish we could just educate people about that, how terrible. Because nobody ever ODs on weed. Like, that's pretty rare. No, 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 no. And you, you look at, that so that therefore that cannot be the drug of choice because yeah. for a lot of people especially in the drug world they're out to destroy themselves you know uh, on purpose or for the experience who knows you know uh, yeah. so and like I say it's mostly affluent people or people that don't have uh, you know extreme poverty issues. Uh, you know, because you can't afford the bad habits if you're that broke, and and, and that's what happened. Uh, that you know, in, in in the physical world we live in, this is what I've been telling people is that uh, we're here to make mistakes and to learn from the mistakes, and that's why when people are, are in recovery, I do a lot of cameos, and I I did uh, a couple to, today where I'm congratulating people on certain. Uh, on their sobriety, being able to wow. stay off booze for for a length of time, you know that that's that's a tough thing to uh, you know alcoholic alcoholism is a very 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 tough one to be beat like quitting smoking if you've been smoking hmm. all your life and you know all those addictions and that it's it's very tough and when people do you know they pass they pass the test and they're back in, in learning. Uh, yeah, I, I understand. You know, I have empathy for people that, uh, you know, that hurt themselves for no apparent reason other than the, the experience. But I also understand. Uh, and that's how you, that's what old people learn. That's what old guys learn, you know, is that it's all inevitable. You know, uh, there's not a lot. The only thing you can really do 
to change anybody on this planet really is is to change yourself. Uh, that's what I found out. Yeah, you know? it's like that old saying: if you want to change the world, start by making your bed. Like you know, clean up your own stuff first. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you hear that? I love I, that. That's like an old, I don't know, it's like Marine saying or something. I don't know. Some, some, I've heard that. You haven't heard that before? No, no. If you want to change the world, start by making your bed. Yeah, <laughs> that's, like a, that's like a saying. That, I like that's a nice spooky one. You know, because I was reminiscing about my jail time. And that's the first thing they teach you in prison. Oh. That's the first thing they do. Say, uh, when you wake up, make your bed. That's the first thing you do. Make your bed, clean out, clean your cell, okay. and then and then get dressed, and then do your business. Okay, you know, but, but make that bed. So how? Oh, yeah, because you, you had to work in prison too, right? You had to clean up the gym equipment or something like that. Is that that's only how many hours a day though? I didn't have to. Oh. I could have opted out. I I, oh. I could have used the old man card and said, uh, you know, I don't feel like working, but because I wanted to work. Uh, they gave me the easiest job, which was sweeping. Ah. Uh, so, so, and so I was a sweeper, uh, you know, just picking up cigarette butts and certain areas, you know, that would my area to sweep up. And I enjoyed it. I, I still, to this day, that's what I do around the house. <laughs> and wow. I also do the, I also do the dishes and I also make my bed once in a while, not all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've made so much entertainment. I mean, I think that's your purpose here on earth is to make entertainment for people. Like we just watched up and smoke again for the millionth time last night, the scene where Cheech takes the acid, that's gotta be one of the funniest scenes <laughs> in any movie ever. Was that totally made up or is that inspired by a real life incident? Well, we, we used to do nightclubs yeah. and, uh, and we're improv uh, actors. And so right. uh, we, I would, uh, my job really was to torture teach you for, <laughs> for an hour and a half. <laughs> and, uh, and so when we got into that, oh, we had, we had so much fun with those characters, you know, because the little Chicano, he, 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 hey, man, he could do anything, you know, yeah. but, he, but and I would hold him to it. <laughs> uh, we, we, it was such a perfect marriage between Every, everything worked out well, you know. Again, the chemistry was, between you two. Yeah, was that yeah. something that was instant or did that take time to develop? Well, it developed. It was, it was pretty instant. It okay. was pretty instant. <laughs> because when, when I met Cheech, he was in Vancouver dodging the draft. Right. And so, so, so we didn't know what he was. He wasn't saying he was Mexican. In fact, we never found out he was Mexican until we got down to L.A. You know, we had no idea what he was and he wouldn't tell anybody. A lot of us thought he was like, he could have been from India. He could have been from Iraq. You know, he, he could have been anything, you know, native. Because it, when he snuck up to Calgary to get out of the war, he, he went right into where I grew up, which is uh, mostly native country. Ah. You know, we're surrounded by... Uh, reservations and then when custer did his dirty work in the states all the Sioux and blackfoot and the whole tribes went up to canada and right to calgary right where i grew up wow and, yeah and so i i so teach when he 
he found out very quickly that, hey, chief, hop in. You know, <laughs> they thought he was a native. <laughs> That's funny. And didn't you find out you're like 10% or 20% native yourself? Uh, yeah, eight, 9%. Yeah. 9%. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I found out that was one. That was, was such a revelation because my mother, well, she was a talker and she would tell us all these stories but she never ever told us the real secret which was that her mother was half native huh. never never told us that one got up right up to the edge but never never really said oh by the way you're here. and my and we never knew my grandmother's name until we did the dna test mm. and my grandmother's name is jemima isn't that sweet wow like the the syrup stuff. Yeah, the, the pancake, Aunt Jemima. And yeah. that's what her that's what her name was. And she was half she was half Ojibwe, I believe, and uh and half Irish. Yeah, oh. her dad her dad was a Dylan. Okay. Because her her name was Dylan. And but she was a half half native uh grandma. Never met her. She committed suicide when uh, when my mother was like seven eight years old i think oh wow yeah my mother had a was put into a uh, what do you call it uh, resident uh foster home domestic no uh, no she became a domestic servant oh weird yeah she she went to work and she, she oh. never got uh, she got as far as she got was a grade three but she learned how to read and, and she learned how to uh write someone i got letters from her and it looked like a grade four uh, no grade one wow it's just because she wasn't taught it though she probably had the skills because you have the skills so you must oh yeah yeah you must have gotten some of that from her or your dad oh i i got all yeah from both from yeah. from both the the writing and the, and the uh everything no no i my i was I, i've always been blessed there's been something really creepy or really nice and, and kind of weird about my my life even to this right to this day i get messages and and uh and, and i have a job here uh, you know to uh, help the humanity <laughs> the cameos and stuff or what else in the weed what you got so many things going on are you now are you doing uh are you doing that 90 show is that happened that's yeah. like a spin-off of that 70 show yeah, yeah, we sure are. What's the story? Not, What's the plot? Can you talk about it? Uh, it's basically uh, uh, it's the Kitty and Red's grandkids. Okay, uh, it's the grandkids of all all their other kids. You know, like uh, uh, you know, all the daughters. You know, Eric. I guess yeah. Eric's Eric's uh, uh, wife and kid, and they're mixed. And they're all beautiful, and they're all oh, they're so interesting, and they're all excited about working. And yeah, yeah. Okay. I I I did a bit with uh, Kitty, and yeah, it was just Kitty, Kitty and I. It's funny how Kitty and I ended up almost being the, the pair because she never liked me when she first when I first joined the show. Oh, really? Yeah, she thought I was that character, you know, that I played. Oh, she, I, she thought I was Chong in Cheech and Chong, you know. Yeah, that's a character. So, but did you did you ever smoke weed with the cast or any of it? The, because they always had those circles where they'd smoke weed. But did you actually? Did you guys do that off screen too? Never happened. 
Really? Never, never happened. I do a bit in my stand-up act where I, I show uh, everybody refuses a joint from me except the cameraman. The cameraman says, hey, I'll say, hey, man, welcome to the show. Yeah. Uh, no, none of them. And, they, and we didn't hobnob with them either. You know, we didn't uh, associate with them. They were the, they were separate. The, the kids were all separate. They got paid higher. You know, they, they were stars of the show. Sure. And, and they were treated like that. And the rest of us were, were the uh, supporting cast. Yeah. Is Mila Kunis, is she as beautiful in person as she is on TV? Probably more so. She's she's one of the sweetest. I met her when I met her. She was probably like fourteen, something like that. She learned how to drive with a, a cart in on, on the on the lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, we 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 had a little moment. We had a few moments, Mila and I. She, she had a boyfriend, you know that uh, uh, Home Alone. Uh, what's it, Colin McCulkin? Oh, Colin Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she was. She dated him for a minute, and, and he just wanted to meet me. That's how it went. that was one uh, thing, a moment that I had with Mila, because Mila says, "Oh, my boyfriend wants to meet you so bad." You know, it was Colin McLaughlin. So I met him, and that was really the only time I really had a moment with Mila. Did you smoke with Macaulay Culkin? <laughs> I, I probably could have, but uh, <laughs> no, no, no. I, they they were kind of. You know, the whole, everybody's a little nervous, you know, because we were being watched by, was it Fox or Warner Brothers? I forget, one of them. Yeah. Whoever owned the show, we're, they're watching us pretty close. And the writers always had a, bar, you know, bargain for how much uh, weed smoke they could blow out of the thing. You know, it was kind of, kind of juvenile. And the last thing they wanted from me was any mention of Cheech and Chong, you know. So that's why Wilmer and I never had a scene together. And I was looking forward to it because I, was, I missed my Mexican. You know. Oh, yeah. Oh, they, they never had a scene with you and Wilmer? I never noticed never. that. Not even. Yeah. Not, He's not so funny on that show. Yeah. Yeah. Wilmer and I could have, uh, we could have done a scene. But it was, I think it was too close to the Cheech and Chong. Of course it was. And then... Uh, yeah, they, I love the the way they wrote the, my character. You know, you never knew these guys. You know, it was very nice. I learned a lot from that show. I, in fact, I used to use it like a school. You know, because oh. I I had small uh, small parts, and my parts were so easy, so I could go sit and watch um, uh, work with the actors. You know, watch uh, Jim Trainer, the the director, work with with all the kids. You know, because like going to acting school. You know, and it was great. It was great. And television, you know, watched how the cameras worked and, you know, and how they, the order they would do it, you know. It's really an art, you know, doing those stand-up shows. Really an art Because they get, they get those shows done in, like in a week, you know, boom. <laughs> Rehearsal, set up, cameras, everything, boom, boom, boom. It's a well-oiled machine and, and it. And you got to, the writing is so precise. It has to be there. And that's why I was amazed, you know, because, uh, you know, I'd, I'd done a couple of movies by then, but it was all improv, improvisational. I never learned how to really read music, basically, or, or read a script and do it like that. I, I, I kind of know now, but, you know, I'm still an improvisational 
whatever I am, you know, whatever I try to do. So like when, cause you write the scripts, do you write just like you write kind of a loose script? You don't write the actual like word for word dialogue. And sometimes, sometimes, but for the most part, no, I, we hire good actors, you know, and up in smoke, everybody wrote their own bit. You know, my father and mm-hmm. Strother Martin, he wrote that whole, you get a job by sundown. <laughs> oh. uh, he wrote every line and I, Stacy, he's uh, yeah. you know, the guy. The cop Stop, yeah. every line. Hey, you know, with a, uh, what's that? You know, what kind of meat the men, uh, what kind of meat Catholic priests have on Sunday? None. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's so great. No, yeah. they wrote, they wrote all the JD's, the girl, she, she wrote her part. I, now I'd written a whole part. For, for JD East because you know Cheech and I with the records and that we we had a, a good feel for uh, that kind of stoner dialogue you know? but it was four pages and uh, and Jade looked at it and said that nah, you know too much to to memorize you know so she just uh, adds up and, and came out even better you know? wait is that the Ajax scene no that was uh, JD was the uh, one of the girls. Okay. The, that we picked up hitchhiking. Oh, okay. Because the one where the girl's snorting Ajax or whatever, that was such a funny scene, too. I was like, wow, that girl really went crazy with this. Like, it was great. She, she wrote every bit of that. That was June Fairchild. Fairchild I knew yeah. she, she, uh, she was a friend of, uh, she was a girlfriend of Danny Hutton, the, the Three Dog Night singer. Oh. And, and we met her at a party, and she used to entertain us at the parties. With, with her craziness like that, she could oh. make all these sounds. She was a fine actor. She was in a movie with uh, with Rock Hudson called Ten, Ten Angler, Ten Little, Ten Little Something, Ten Little Something. Anyway, uh, she was a really fine actress, but uh, so funny at parties. And when, when I, yeah, when she did, I, then I, so I, that, that, that's the kind of writing I would do. I'd remember stuff like that. And then I'd, have them come in, you know, and and then do it do it on 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 the screen. Uh, that's why that's why we shot the movie so fast and it was so quick because there was no rehearsals needed, you know. It was just just performances. Oh. We just recorded one performance after another, and uh, and we hit all the notes, especially in that movie. Oh yeah, yeah. all yeah. of them. I think yeah, the first one I saw was still smoking, and that one still it's so so great to this day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was our act that we couldn't, uh, that we had to quit doing because we'd done movies. And I realized we got all this good material that we yeah. hadn't used. And so we put it in the Still Smoking movie. Still Smoking was supposed to be um, a concert movie, like Eddie Murphy had just done Raw. Oh, yeah. And so, and so Paramount handed us a, a million dollars to do a concert movie. But instead of a concert movie, I said, let's do a real movie. Because I was planning on doing a Cheech and Chong uh, film festival in Amsterdam. Oh. And I had posters drawn up and everything. And, and then uh, we had that offer from Paramount to do a uh, concert film. And then I said, well, well, let's do a real film. And then that was, uh, we wrote that one on the way. You know, we come up with a premise. And then as we progress, we would, uh, you know, write bit, one bit after another bit. Like our live show. Yeah, no, that's totally. 
Yeah, it was fun. And uh, there are a lot of laughs and still smoking. And, oh. you know, uh, the it was the first time anybody had used Prince's music in a movie. Oh, yeah, because Prince is a genius. Did you ever hang out with him? or Never hung out with him, but I, I was in a club one time. He was, I saw him. <laughs> he was he was so tiny and you're afraid to step on him you know <laughs> <laughs> but we used delirious in, in that, that movie and, yeah, and the other thing about still smoking uh cheech and i see cheech was kind of like the the keeper of the music he was always up to date on whatever music was being played oh. and at the time prince was coming on pretty strong so when cheech said prince i said okay so we yeah. used his his music we got it for a nice price you know <laughs> wow. well, first it, time yeah well you said that you can't turn it down if people ask you so i'm gonna is it okay if i toka i want to try out this cheech and chong joint uh, is that oh, okay? yeah yeah for sure you and then and maybe can you tell me about some of the people that you've smoked weed with? Have you smoked weed with all the biggest pot smokers like Snoop Dogg and Seth Rogen and Willie Nelson? I assume yes, but I don't. I haven't. I, I, I don't remember smoking with Willie. I was, I was. I remember being at a place with Willie. I was at uh, all my crazy friends are coming over tonight, and and I I was really thrilled because I met Willie and uh, and uh, all you know George Jones and. All the Waylon Jennings uh, met all those guys. I don't think I smoked with them. They they had a party over at Hank Williams Jr.'s house after, and I made the <laughs> that wasn't a mistake. But uh, when I grew up in in Calgary, uh, I I got into rhythm and blues because of a, a football player named Tommy Milton that. It was a friend friend of my brother's who was also a football player. Uh, and through Tommy, I got turned on to rhythm and blues. And then Tommy and I started uh, a rhythm and blues band. And uh, then he became Little Daddy. And we had a group called Little Daddy and the Bachelors. And, and But Tommy was a big country fan. And so when I found out that I was going to uh, go to this party with all the greats, I, I invited Tommy and because Tommy was living in Nashville at the time. He was actually trying to make it as a songwriter uh, in Nashville for a country. And Tommy was had, was a great football player, but his voice was a little thin. You know, he wasn't a, 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 a trained singer. He could sing, but, but he could have spent more time singing than he was playing football. But anyway, I took Tommy to the party and uh, found out eventually that Hank Williams Jr. Was, uh, did not appreciate a black man being at his party. Oh, really? Yeah. Those times, I was like a lot different. Well, yes and no. And, and, and it's country, country, you know. And so country is, you know, historically, you know, they, they, they got Charlie Pride, but they still got their... Uh, their 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 country ways you know southern ways you can't get around that you know <laughs> what about and, what about snoop dog though you've got to have smoked weed with him smoked, smoked i smoked out with snoop a couple of times a couple of times it's kind of weird because he, he you know when uh, back in the day you know when i was singing with the jazz and the black uh, crowd you know a lot you know especially when we were in motown 
uh, every once in a while you, you get into these smoke sessions with the Snoop Dogs. And the thing is, they're such lead singers and such powerful entities that they don't understand the concept of handing the joint back to you. <laughs> the, the joint stays there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> then you look around, well, then look for another joint that's coming your way. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, and I'd done a, I did a movie with Snoop and, uh, and Dr. Dre. But Dr. Dre, Dr. Dre, him and I never really hit it off because um, I guess on my part, you know, because huh. like I said, I grew up in Calgary and and I have a lot of Trumpy friends, not not from choice, but just from cultural, you know, because I grew up like like a Trumpy, you know, in a very racist city called Calgary. It was very racist. And so there's a lot of racism habits that guys like me have. And, and, and you don't realize it until uh, someone points it out to you. you know? oh. Like I used to I used to do a bit called Blind Melon Chillin'. And uh, when you look at it now, you know, it's, I can't do it. You know, I, sure. I, was think, I was thinking of retiring the bit before the pandemic because I, I, did, a, I did the bit. Uh, like Herbie Hancock, the great uh, jazz uh, pianist, you know, he was a big fan of Cheech and Chong. <laughs> and he's, he's, you know, he's a black jazz musician. <laughs> so he, he would come to see Cheech and Chong. And, and, he, and Herbie told me one time, he said, man, he said, you can play. I hear you play that guitar, man. And then, and then, then you start doing that other shit. <laughs> and I realized what he was saying, you know, because I, 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 I worked blind melon chilling up to the fact where I, uh, because Cheech and I used to do them just as one little quick bit, you know, where the guy's too drunk to find his harmonica and he finally does. And, oh, it, it's just, a, it used to be one of our biggest laughs uh, in our show. And then when Cheech and I split up, I started doing blind by myself. Because I love being uh, in the black world, you know. Uh, I grew up in it, and, uh, but I'm not black. And and, right. and when you're playing a black guy, you know, it's it's, it's touchy. You know? Yeah. It's Do you touchy. think that there, there's got to be some good things about where society's gone with that? But then sometimes they go too far with the cancel culture. Where they're they're digging up old stuff from. I mean, it seems a little bit silly, don't you think? Well, it goes back and forth. It's all about ignorance. You see. No, what they don't like, and and that's what David Chappelle found out too. I'm not yeah. alone. Chappelle was had, had the same problem. That's why he quit yeah. for so long, you know, because because he was doing those kind of uh, funny things that you could do uh, because you're hip enough to do them. But then also you run into a, a a new breed of people that they don't see the joke. You know, they just they just see the insult. And, and and so you gotta you gotta change. You can't yeah. go down that road anymore. You know, uh, if you watch Dean Martin roast, and I'm watching All in the Family, All in the Family was wow, those right out there. You know, they're very blatant about Archie being a Trumpy. You know, 
Yeah, yeah before yeah. it was even a Trumpy. Yeah, it's like a different. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that that that's the whole thing. That's a, that's that's why Trump is 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 so powerful because he represents a whole lot of ignorant people, you know, and, and ignorant to the fact where they're fearful, you know, and that that's when it gets scary, you know, when people get afraid of you. I've been in spots, you know, with my buddy Tommy Milton. One time, our car broke down north of Edmonton, north of Calgary, in a place called Olds, Alberta. Well, Olds, Alberta, was the home of this not not uh, Holocaust denier that oh boy. That, that wrote books about the Holocaust was fake and all that, and that's his home. And one time our car broke down and Tom and I were walking into the into the little town and uh, this lady walking toward us. And she literally, when she saw, when she got close enough to see who we were, she literally dropped her groceries and ran off screaming. I mean, this was not fake. And Tom and I looked at each other and we saw the pool room. So we said, we better get off the street. You know, they'll think we're robbing this lady or something and we went into this pool room and, and it was real dark <laughs> you couldn't see any make out any faces and then as as we got used to the light <laughs> then we walked into like it looked like a redneck bar you know because all these white guys stand there with their pilkos giving us that look you know but it was just because there's no black people in that area period there's right. no one, and 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 we walk in there, you know, like, what what's our business? What, what's what are we up to? You know? Yeah, if people just get exposed to other cultures, yeah. then it's usually fine. You know, it's just it's they yeah. they don't they're scared. It's like you said, they're they're scared and they're ignorant because they don't they don't know. So they just see things on the news or whatever that are negative, and they you meet other cultures. I mean all people from all over the world are, you know, a lot of have the same core values, try to be good people, try to help people having a good heart. I think, I don't know. Oh, no. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's the whole point. And, that, and that's when you, when you look at the, the, the religious books, you know, they all say the same thing, you know, the Quran, I was, I, I was watching a show called, uh, you know, where they examine everybody's different gods and the show in this Quran, Muslim, and he's saying, "What?" And they're asking him, you know, the scholars asking the Muslim, "Why do you hate the Jews and the Gentiles?" You know, it's because uh, they they go against the teaching of the Quran, and so the Quran expert says, "Well, show me the passage where it says that." And so the guy, it took him quite a while, but he found it, and so the guy, and so the scholar read what he found, and he found out that the guy was omitting the first part. And the first part says that if you yourself, the reader of the Quran, if you are a non-believer, then all these bad things will happen to you. If you yourself are a non-believer. And so what they did, they misinterpreted to say anybody that's a non-believer. See? And it's not that at all. Those holy books are written to you personally. The Bible is written to you. The, the Jewish uh, book is written right to the person themselves. Buddhism is about the, the singular person. 
and, and, and all these religions. There's not a religion on earth that tells you that other people should die because of your belief. None. Because it doesn't make sense. You know, uh, why would you kill someone that, that, that believes that there is only one God? You know? So okay. Do you have a philosopher some, that you really look up to in addition to the, because you've read all the religious books, obviously. Well, I, I, I look up to, uh, there's a couple of books. Emmett Fox is, uh, it's funny too, because Emmett Fox and Joel Goldsmith, they're both Jews. And they both are expert on Christianity. Really? But when you think about it, Jew, Jesus was a Jew. When you think oh. about you think about it, millions and billions of people have been worshiping a Jew made into a graven image. Right. <laughs> you know? And even there's some images of him with which the king of Jews at the top of the cross. So, so when you think about it, the Christianity is based on the teachings of a Jew that was executed, right? For, for, for being a, a prophet, for being a healer, you know. And they, they said, well, he was going to, uh, he was a, a rab, uh, uh, what do you call it, a rebel, or something. But the, the, the truth is, and this is what you learn, and this is what I learned, you know. There is only you and me. You know, we are, there's no Tommy Chong ever anywhere in the universe. It's just me, just one. And whether Tommy Chong was my name, probably not. You know, I've had different names over the years as I come back in different forms. But there's only me and there's only you. And if we can understand that, if you look at the long grass, think about think about a blade of grass. How many blades of grass do you think there are on this earth? Uncountable. Yeah, infinity. But yet, yeah. each lawn consists of zillions of these little blades of grass that it, that are a life in itself. You can take that grass out; it's not going to affect the other grass. Because we, and that's what we are. We are like a blade of grass. And, and Jesus taught that many times, you know, uh, about who we are and, and how if we just think, think of God, just put our mind on God. That's what the scripture says. He will perfect that which concerns you. And that's why the rappers, you know, when they get their trophies or whatever, they say, thank you. Uh, sports guys, you know, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're, they're looking up there. Yeah. Gratitude is an amazing thing. It's a key to happiness, yeah. I think. Being grateful. Yeah, being, for... being grateful and acknowledging the fact that you didn't do this yourself. You had, you had a higher power take you to where you're at. And I've always known that from when I was a, a young boy because I, I the only entertainment we had when I was a kid was Sunday school. That's <laughs> the only reason to get dressed up. Right. And and I did. And I enjoyed every bit of it. I had no problem with it. My brother was, you know, if it interrupted any kind of sport out sporting thing that he would find a reason not to go. But 
I, I, I have always, I've always loved Sunday school because it's gentle. And, and then I learned the power of prayer many, many, many years ago. I say this a lot to, to people because it, it can, you know, when these kids were getting shot, and people, all the gun violence going on, and then people are saying, we're sick of hearing your thoughts and prayers, you know. Don't send us your thoughts and prayers, you know. That's kind of a silly thing to say because that's all we got. <laughs> Yeah, we don't we don't have anything else. We don't have a law. We don't have a magic, uh, you know, uh, solution yeah. to this gun violence. There are solutions, and and I've stumbled on a few, but but that's our purpose here. This is why we're here. I'm here because uh, I can make people laugh and listen. Yeah, and, and and that's what I intend to do. You see, like there's been talk, you know, oh, the the shutdown. Oh, it stopped everything. But no, it started everything. We started everything. Restarted? No, we we that's that, that's how everything everything uh, we had to stop what we're yeah. doing. You see, think about this, man. The reason. Putin went to war was because the oil prices were disappearing because people weren't traveling. They weren't needing the, they, they didn't need all that gas right. and oil. And there were no wars. Yeah. And, and so as a result, no one needed oil, gas, the way they were getting it because they weren't going anywhere. Now, with no oil revenue coming in, Saudi Arabia, America, uh, Russia, they start hurting, especially Russia start hurting because that's their only income, you know. Right. And they don't they don't have that much reserve. So next thing you know, we're at war with uh, the Ukraine. And oil prices went right jacked right up. And now gasoline prices are high as ever been. And we're going through this again. I've been through this before, you know, in the 80s, 81 with Reagan. <clears throat> the same thing, you know. Uh, the, the Saudis wanted to get the oil prices up. And, and, and whenever you have a war, oil will always be up high because uh, energy is needed, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and so what, what's happening now is that we, thanks to uh, our lockdown and innovations, that we don't need oil on the planet to heat and to uh, run our cars, any of that. We never really needed oil. We went through the oil phase and we paid the price for it, you know, uh -huh. environmental everything. But now we're coming out of that need for oil and we know that we don't need oil, we don't want oil. We want the, the clean energy. We want the clean power plants. And I see the Ukraine being rebuilt in, in a, a beautiful fashion where there's going to be new farming techniques introduced there. And I'm, I'm hoping that uh, the Ukraine by that, that time will be able to uh, start growing a hemp because hemp really is the answer to, the, to healing the earth. Because yeah. it, if you if you grow hemp and just plow it back into the earth, you're going to have a soil that that you can grow grapes and food and everything else. <clears throat> and so and and not only that, but 
you can plow some back, but you can cut down that hip and build building materials that uh, because of the uh, you know the lockdown and the oil and the transportation. You know, the wood is became has become very expensive. You know, and the fires are eating up a lot of the forest and that. So we need hemp, mm-hmm. and, and 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 then for medicine, we need more more uh, CBD and, and THC because think about it. Everything else got closed down. Everything, the bars got closed down. What were open? Compassion clubs, dispensaries. They never closed. They never closed. Weed, they never closed. And and even the law enforcement now, they're realizing, you know, that, uh, that that's where the good medicine. Can you imagine weed stopped this little girl from having her epileptic fits to the point where, she could hug her mother for the first time, thanks to to uh, to our, our, our magic uh, plant. Oh, that's so, great! I, I'm I'm enjoying this stuff right now. It's a, I think it's hitting nice. It's an indica blend, and so it's just like a real relaxing. Yeah. Is that what you like? You said you do, you'll do it all, right? You like it all? I like yeah, whatever's there. You know, I just smoked a blunt. I I, I like that. My yeah. my my son grew some. We got a, a Tommy Chong grow tent that we're going to put on the market eventually. And, and uh, he grew some killer, but really? I got it. Yeah. I'm drying it. I should let it dry out some more, but it's, uh, <laughs> That's I, 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 you, you know, you can't wait. You got to try it and be moist and everything else, but so good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I like, I, I like all the, all the different brands. Yeah. And, well, well, you, get, you, you get a different high off each one. For sure. I got to ask you this before I let you go. I was looking at this last night. I don't know. This I think this is a true story. Were you guys once as Cheech and Chong pitched a sequel to Friday the Thirteenth, where it was like Cheech and Chong meets Jason, kind of like an Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein? It was p- pitched to us. Yeah, yeah. Someone pitched it. I don't know who 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 did it, but yeah, yeah. There's been a lot of a lot of that. Uh, that sounded yeah. like such a. I was laughing so hard at that idea, but it actually was pitched. I mean, it didn't happen, but the idea was pitched. That's really fascinating. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. We were supposed to. Teach, they wanted uh, Ivan Reitman wanted Cheech and Chong to do stripes. I saw that too. Yeah, but he wrote it too late. Uh, by the time he started doing it, we had already uh, made a deal with uh, with our um, next movie, Cheech and Chong's next movie. Which should have been up in smoke too, oh. but, but we couldn't get the title because we were in litigation with the with the director oh. and with with Lou Adler. So we we named it Cheech and Chong's Next Movie because that was a working title. Oh, then it's like, oh, oh, I like it. I like that Good. one. Is there yeah. any other projects or roles that you almost had or that fell through? Lion King. I, I turned that one down. Uh, Cheech did it with Whoopi, but I, I turned it down because uh, I, I, we were having a little dispute with Disney. Disney was really on this anti hippie thing, you know, oh. and they wouldn't let people in their park if you had long hair, you know, and wore a, a white beater t shirt, you know, you couldn't get in their park, uh, and that disappeared really quickly, <laughs> but uh. And so I, I did, you know, when we got offered, we did Fern Gully, and I did Fern Gully. But then when they did, offered Lion King, it was Disney, and 
Cheech, Cheech, he really enjoyed it. And he really enjoyed the fact that I never did it because I, I missed out on a nice paycheck. You know? Oh, yeah, because those are those royalties. Every time they show it, it gets, yeah. 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 Um, okay, last question here. If you could smoke weed with anybody, live or dead, who would it be? I'm saying... Uh, Uh, let's see <laughs> i thought you get asked this question all the time i thought you'd have your answer ready well i've got a few that oh, i okay. would but I, i'm just thinking right now i think I, I'll, I'll go with moses i'll go oh, with moses okay because of all the religious guys you know the leaders I, I i like moses he, he he god talked to moses all the time and I, I feel like I am Moses because Moses was a, a warrior. You know, he wasn't uh, a prophet. He was right. a warrior. He was a prince. He was raised in a royal palace. And uh, he was taught all the uh, skills, you know. And so he was a well-educated uh, Jew, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yep. All right. That'd be a fun one. Um, I always end each episode with a charity. Is there some? Is there a charity that you're connected with or that you want to promote here? And I can ha have people send money that way after they buy some of your products, of course. A uh, place called Home. Okay. It's a, it's a charity in the South Central LA, and it's uh, I'm going to have a group of those homes eventually. That's that's my charity of choice, and I'm going to uh, uh, have them put throughout throughout the nation. Uh, you know when I when I uh, when I get get enough capital and everything, you know, okay. I'm heading that I'm heading in that direction. Like I showed you some of the NFT carvings that I did. Yeah, yeah, these things are going to uh, uh, enable me to uh, finance a, a movie company. Oh. And, uh, and the movie company is going to be called. Peace Pipe Pictures. Okay. And I'm going to, first of all, stream all the Cheech and Chong products. That's going to be one of my first things because we don't have our own streaming service yet. And, and, and that's what it'll be. And then I'm going to start uh, doing movies like Migration, which will be a 20, 30-year project where we uh, hire. I want to hire the marchers that came down from Guatemala. And, and bring them into the country as actors for piece by pictures. Okay. And, uh, and because one thing about a movie company, you can use everybody, even the dead ones. <laughs> you can, yeah. you, there's always something you can, you know, they're extras or they're working on the crew or there's something. So I want to, I, I feel that that's a future of, um, of migration, uh, immigration is hire them as a movie company. There and you then, go, and then then you 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 know who you got and what they're doing and where they're at, and and, uh, and if they when they mess up as people do, then you you, you know they're they're not going to disappear. You're going right. to know where every you're going to know where all the immigrants are that yeah. work for Peace Bite Pictures, okay. and then I'm also I also got a plan to. Uh, to help Israel and uh, and uh, the Palestinians, and what I want to put a theme park over there, and I want to call it Hippie Land, and uh, the theme park will have a, a 
a, a desalination plant so that we can get fresh water in a, in a lake because that's a problem over there is water wow. always been yeah. always been the problem and so i want to get a lake but they have to share the lake the palestinians and the, and the, and the jews and so they'll have something in common to share uh, the the resort the hippie land resort which is going to have a mountain uh for recreation made out of uh, uh man-made mountain hmm. you know they okay. instead of yeah and so so i've got that and and then there's one more project um uh, do do to do to do there's one more i can't think of it right now <laughs> but okay but it's, uh, but it's it's all good see Oh, uh, the gun problem. Uh, I figured out, I figured out right. uh, what we needed. You know what we need in the gun with the gun problem? Sure. That anybody that sells, manufacturing, anybody that operates uh, uh, um, a firearm has to have insurance. Interesting. Or else, or else legally you cannot operate. A firearm, regardless of who you are. Okay. You have you have to be able to qualify for insurance. Hmm. And, Interesting. Uh, and the insurance itself will protect your victims or anybody's victims will uh, will be compensated uh, by whatever firearm that was used or by whoever used it and blah 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 because they, they will be covered by insurance and if they're not well then. They've broken two laws. Yeah. And, 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 and so it'll be up to the gun manufacturers to uh, to monitor who they sell it to because uh, uh, eventually if you break the law too many times, you're not allowed, you won't be able to buy insurance. And if you can't buy insurance, right. you won't be able to operate. Yeah. Just like so with how, the car. How do you like, yeah, how do you like that for a solution? Yeah, I mean, that... I still just worry some of these people that are just, you know, evil. I feel like we, if we get to the root of the, why these people want to hurt other people, if we could, you know, change that in society, that would, man, that would change so many things. I feel like. No, you can't because uh, it's called free will. See, you look, look at, look at the Catholic uh, church, you know, no, no, their, their aim isn't to house pedophiles. Right. <laughs> In fact, that's the opposite. If anything, the pedophile would be the devil. And you would think they would be exercising them out of the church. But <laughs> they don't. Right. Why? Because they're human. You see? And so, so you can't hide behind an organization or, or any kind of thing if, if your heart's in the wrong place. See, your heart has to be in the right place. Uh, and so you... Um, we're here to learn. This is a schoolyard. That's why it's physical. In the in the spiritual world, first of all, the spiritual world is so small <laughs> in terms of size because there's no there's nothing needed in the physical world. Physical world, I mean the, the spiritual world is made up of energy. Just energy. See, you you only get good and evil in the physical world. But in the spiritual world, there's only good because it exists. And it wouldn't if it was bad, it wouldn't exist. 
See, that's why the Bible says that everything God made was good. And everything God did not made was not made. You see? So everything that we see is good. It just depends on how people use it. You see? Right. Now, now that's called free will. And that's, that's our learning thing. Because there'd be nothing to learn if every, everything was in a straight line. There'd be nothing to learn. There'd be no reason for us to be here. Mm-hmm. And see, the reason we're here is that we're experiencing things. And then as we experience things and we learn, it's a path. That's why they always say, you know, the righteous path is straight and narrow. Because there's no room. But you wander off that path and then you get into adventures and then you learn from those adventures. Now you might have to start at the bottom of the path again, but then that's another adventure. You see, because eternity means that there's nothing there. Time does not exist. And so, so we're here really to learn. And the reason we're here, by the way, is to observe the greatness and the grandeur of of God. And because God can't himself enjoy anything because he's God. And so we're put here to do the enjoyment as an agent of God. That's beautiful. I want, I've enjoyed this. Thank you so much, Tommy. Uh, I will put all the show notes in the, or the links in the show notes so people can check out your stuff. That was been a pleasure. You've fulfilled a dream for me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. We'll see you again next time. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, if you're still here, uh, that interview, it took an interesting twist. And uh, sometimes you got to just sit back and listen. And Tommy is just such an interesting guy, obviously a big proponent of weed. And I definitely think that weed should be legalized. I think for some people, weed really helps them. And I know a lot of people who use the CBD stuff that does not have the THC, so they don't get high. And uh, I think for me, I think weed is just an occasional escape from reality. But to be honest, I really like reality right now. So I don't really feel the desire to do a lot of it. Um, But sometimes I guess it's fun to take a little bit of a break. And uh, the important thing is that we're all adults and uh, most adults should be able to make their own choices. And that's what makes this country so great is the freedom and choices that whether you never want to touch weed, uh, whether you want to smoke it occasionally, whether you want to use CBD or smoke weed every day, I respect all your decisions as long as that's something that's working for you. And uh, I think I need to take some of y'all bowling so I can show you how to stay in your own lane. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. All the links to what we talked about are in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Go out there and chase your dreams and shoot for the moon.